The idea of promoting your book might give you the chills, but you know you have to do it. So what's the best way? And how can you keep it simple? Listen in for this interview about the power of email marketing for authors. Welcome to the Unlocked Creative. Has it been on your heart to write and self-publish a book? It's simpler than you think to become a published author. Hi, I'm Siobhan, and after decades of having a first draft, I finally decided to take my power back and bring my book to life. In less than three months, I was able to self-publish my first book, and my mission is to help you to do the same. In this podcast, you'll learn how to start writing, find time to write, get unstuck and find motivation, learn the complete process of writing a book, uncover your unique story and who you're writing for, self-publish and market your first book. You can do anything with your God-led creativity. If you are ready to step into unlocking your own potential in your life, you are in the right place. I'm your girl. Grab your cat, your coffee, and turn on your computer. Let's write. My guest today is Matt Tracy. Matt is the go-to email marketing consultant for some of the world's top business authors. In his best-selling book, Natural Orders, he describes how to develop a healthy, engaged and profitable marketing database, mimicking the timeless growth strategies used by the most successful systems of the natural world. It's time to find out more about one of the best marketing channels you can use to promote your book as well as how to keep it simple. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Matt. Matt, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Could you start by telling us a little bit about you and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I do email marketing strategy. I have worked with a whole lot of different businesses in the past. I've been doing it for quite a while now. Area of focus for me is working with authors, specifically nonfiction authors. Today, we're going to talk about what can be a little bit overwhelming at times for authors and writers, which is thinking about promoting their book. You know, some might just be starting out while others are well versed in promotion and what it entails. So, I do want to first acknowledge this kind of hesitation that can pop up because sometimes promotion doesn't feel natural to some writers and authors. And I think, you know, that's a lot about the need to value our work not just at an artistic level, but at that kind of economic level. Would you say that you've experienced that hesitation with any of the authors that you've worked with? Absolutely, yeah. And perhaps for some of the people listening to this, they, they may even hear the term email marketing and maybe <laughs> have a visceral reaction to it. And, and it's for good reason, you know, there's, there's a lot of spam out there. And the last thing you want to do as an author is be sending spam to your readers, to your audience. My feeling is that email is actually probably the most powerful marketing channel available to authors for a lot of reasons, which we can get into. And using it in the correct way is absolutely not spammy and will reach your audience and build a narrative and have higher engagement and a whole host of other things that other channels won't allow you to do. Just for anyone who isn't au fait with it, what is email marketing and why do authors need to do it? So look, email marketing is a little bit of an umbrella term. On the one hand, you have what you might call outbound email marketing. So that's when someone just 
you know, puts your name on a list and send you an email pitching you something, right? It's got really low engagement, really low success rate, but a lot of people build businesses that way or um, put offers out to the market that way. And that's a whole different game. The other side of it is what you might call inbound email marketing. So that's when you're attracting people to your work and to your writing. And you might do that through content. You might have a blog. You might appear um, on someone else's blog, maybe through social media. And they're basically giving you their email address saying, look, I want to hear more from you. I want you to have access to my inbox. That's what I'm all focused on. So that's when you build a list, you build an audience organically over a longer period of time of people who are interested in hearing from you. And the strategies for inbound and outbound are quite different. I think, you know, many of us might not have heard the distinction between inbound and outbound email marketing. So that's really helpful. Thank you. I suppose that question raises another in my mind, which is around, you know, in this world of social media platforms that are constantly shifting both in terms of new platforms and algorithms. Can you tell us a little bit about how email marketing might fit into a broader promotional strategy for an author? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As I mentioned before, some people have a bit of a visceral reaction to email and I I definitely started out that way. I came into marketing, digital marketing, the way a lot of people do where you're doing a little bit of everything to start off with. I have a background. I've done things in organic search, SEO, done things in paid ads. I've done social media stuff before. When you start out, you necessarily have to do a lot of these things. But, you know, even five years ago, I really saw the the writing on the wall in that a lot of these strategies that were working, a lot of these existing channels were very quickly losing effectiveness and they had a lot of inherent risk associated with them. This is sometimes referred to as platform risk, right? So one of the ways this happens to people is say you've built a large audience on Facebook or Instagram. What can happen is either one of those platforms, you might have a million followers on each, they can change the algorithm so that your posts don't get as much reach as they once did. They can have policy updates that affect the type of content that you're sharing. They can do all sorts of things that basically you have no recourse to correct because you don't own your audience. So for me, I've found that the only way to really own your customer data, to own your audience, is to build an email list. And there's also a lot of other things that are really powerful about email that a lot of these other channels don't have. So number one, look, it's the largest and most active channel online. So it's four and a half billion people have email addresses, right? The next largest ecosystem is Meta, this one we're just talking about, which is between Facebook, WhatsApp, Instagram. It's like three and a half billion, maybe a bit more now. Not only that, you know, there's some statistics been floating around for a while that the average email user spends around two to three hours per day in their inbox. Um, I know a lot of people where that's <laughs> may even be on the low side. So it's the largest, most active group. The other thing is it's a, the highest engagement. So I was talking about some of that diminishing like visibility that you get on some of these other platforms. There was an article way back in 2012 from an author, actually, uh, quite a successful author named Ryan Holiday, and he had a large number of his audience on a Facebook page, and he was bemoaning the fact that he was previously getting uh, 20% post visibility. So every time he was putting a post out, around 20% of his audience would see it. 
and that had recently dropped to 15%. That was in 2012. Um, as of 2020, that number's as low as 0.7%. So if you've got 1,000 people on a Facebook page, only seven people on average are going to see each post you have, let alone engage with it, right? If you compare that to email marketing, the industry average open rate um, is something like 14%, which is very, very low, and you should be doing a lot better than that. Um, if you're doing things right, which I'm sure we'll talk about, you can get up to about 30%. So comparing 30% um, people seeing your content versus 0.7% on a platform like Facebook, it's just, you know, nothing really compares. If you use it right, email is incredibly powerful and you should really do away with a lot of the perhaps negative associations that people do rightfully have. Fascinating. And so I suppose one of the questions that this raises for me is, well, what are the effective strategies that you can use with email marketing to really establish that? Um, I suppose it's a meaningful and almost intimate connected relationship with your readers how would you go about that as an author i think that's a good way to describe it that's how i generally advise people to approach it is that it, it does have to be about respecting the audience from the minute they come on your website and you in some way ask for their email address which may not be a comfortable thing to do if you approach all of email marketing from the position of how am i creating value for this person and you do that every single time you send an email, you're not going to have any problems. You're going to avoid most of the problems that people have with email marketing. I sometimes say educate, inspire, entertain. If you're doing one of those three things every time you send an email, you're not going to have any issues. You're going to have really strong engagement and uh, you can have really low unsubscribes. Your deliverability is not going to be a problem. Your sending score with your email marketing system is going to be fine. All of these things that you would otherwise have to worry about if you just come into it with an attitude of respecting your audience, you won't even have to worry about some of these technical things because you're doing everything right. Yeah, so what I'm hearing a little bit there is around, you know, not just going out and saying, hey, here's my new book, go over here and buy it, but, you know, bringing the story into the communication that you're distributing, I suppose, to to your audience? Is that sort of the gist of how you would go about it? That's such a good way of putting it. So I never wrote about this in my book, but one of the really underlooked things, especially for authors when it comes to email marketing, is the ability to use it to build a narrative, right? To take people on a journey. I mean, when I work with clients, I sometimes talk about the subscriber journey, right? A lot of people have heard about the customer journey, and but I really talk about the fact the point where someone gives you their email address and then the journey that you take them on after that. Um, there's so many touch points between where you start talking about your product and where you have to introduce ideas, introduce them um, as a narrative and develop people over time. Yeah, absolutely. And so how and when should new authors establish an email list? Straight away. Yes, <laughs> it's possible. Um, you know, one thing that a lot of authors don't do, which may seem counterintuitive, is when you're doing when you're writing your book, start blogging out the chapters of your book as blog posts and getting feedback from the broader public, from whatever audience exists currently. Look at what happens in content marketing, and then use your writing to create your own content. 
take all of the best practice from content marketing. So publish blog posts, repurpose that content into different things. The power isn't so much your writing, it's your ideas. So if you're putting your ideas out there in different ways and you're using that to build an audience, you're going to refine those ideas and your writing is going to be better and you're going to build a larger audience. That is a really powerful tip there. And I know that everybody's ears have just pricked up. Can you help me to know a little bit more about how someone might add new subscribers in an authentic way? One of the main things with that is about capturing the traffic that comes to a page. Let's just use a blog page example because it's a really easy one. Say you've published a chapter of your new book that's set to be published in 12 months and you get, let's say, a 1,000 people a month coming to that page. With the bounce rate of most pages, that's you're going to have like 80% of your traffic leaving and you'll never see them again, right, or you're very unlikely to see them again. So what you should do is you should kind of optimise that page for capturing email addresses in some way. So an example I sometimes give is, Look, let's just think of a really simple one that everyone can re- relate to, something with, I don't know, health or fitness. Say you're looking up a specific type of diet or workout plan or something and you go to a blog page and they give you a little bit of advice, they give you a workout plan or something. One really spammy thing that they could do is they could hit you with a pop-up that says, okay, download this PDF with 10 tips to eat better or something like that. Um, everyone's seen these things and everyone thinks they're cringeworthy and they don't help anyone. One really powerful thing you could do is say, okay, well, here's all the information you need. We've given it to you for free. And now here's a complete programming guide as a spreadsheet, like something that's really valuable, something that you could genuinely charge money for, but give it to them for free in exchange for their email address. Go above and beyond in the value that you provide for the incentive to give their email address. And also promise what you're going to give them once they enter your world because that's what you're really promising. It's a chance to take that relationship a little bit deeper. And then if it's coming from a place of respect and, again, delivering a lot of value, then that makes sense for a lot of people. And that's when you're going to see a really high what I call traffic to subscriber conversion, which in my opinion is the most important metric on your website, which is the amount of traffic that's converting to subscribers as a percentage. Mm, Wonderful. I think you just touched on something else there, which is really important. And it's all about measurement and monitoring. So I wonder if you wanted to touch on that a little bit to, you know, understand that it's not scary and it's something that can be easy to do these days. Measurement and reporting. Goodness, this is a double-edged sword if (laughs) if there is any. Um, I hate that term, by the way, double-edged sword, but Um, measurement and reporting look it's important you have to do it these days digital marketing is all about its effectiveness is tied to the fact that you can you have data right to go off and you can make quote unquote data driven decisions there are also downsides to data and reporting and you know what the advice i might give to some authors is focus less on the numbers and focus more on genuinely creating relationships over time because you can really get lost in numbers if you get too deep into it. Um, some of the set metrics that are important, this TSC is a good one, um, the growth of your list over time, your um, engagement rate with your emails, look at how many people are clicking on the emails. That's the one that works best at the moment um, as a percentage. So your click rate, your unsubscribe rate, make sure that's not too high, um, the growth rate, 
And then don't worry about anything else, really. You can get lost in it. In fact, the the last chapter of my book, I talk about this idea of legibility. It's it's from a fantastic book called Seeing Like a State by a guy named James C. Scott. It basically talks about the first instance of what we might call big data way back in the 19th century, right, when people were doing forest planning. And basically what happened was a lot of these early state-planned forests they reduced everything down to just one number, which was the output of timber. And in doing so, they lost so many other beneficial uses of these forests and they lost so much in the way that they planned the forest that eventually they collapsed. These forest ecosystems were reduced just to one number so much that they couldn't see outside of anything but the output of timber, right? And I think that in many ways can happen with your email marketing, with your digital marketing, with a lot of things these days, I think the lesson is really relevant. We shouldn't focus on numbers to the detriment of anything else. In fact, look at that example we were just talking about with the people coming to your website in exchange for the email address. If you were to just look at that through that metric of TSC, that I call it traffic to subscribe conversion, you could very quickly start making a whole lot of really spammy, nasty decisions just to get that number really high. You could have really aggressive pop-ups. You could have things sliding in from the corner of the screen, all of the nasty email marketing things that everyone has experienced before and everyone gets the ick from. Whereas if you ignore the metric a little bit, if you have it in the back of your mind and you're measuring it, but you're not obsessed with it, that's when you're going to get the best results because you're going to have respect in the audience top of mind. I love that response because I think it just takes the pressure off. Um, What are the kind of simple systems and tools, if any, that writers can use right now to engage their audience? Yeah, so what you'll need to do email marketing properly is sometimes referred to as an EMS, so email marketing service of some kind. Um, There's so many out there. One that most people have probably heard of is MailChimp. There's generally three tiers of these types of tools, and it's important because the authors need to know which type of one to use. Tier one is kind of where you'd put something like MailChimp. They're quite entry level. They're often free to sign up for. They have some basic features. They have really good UX to make it really easy to start sending campaigns to people. What they lack is some of the more advanced features that make email so powerful. stuff like automation and being able to segment your list in really granular ways and reporting. Reporting is a huge one. So look, you you shouldn't be obsessed with the numbers, but you need to know them, right? It's kind of like that uh, you need to learn everything about music theory and then you need to forget it all to play well, right? (laughs) It's the same sort of thing with, with marketing, I think. That's the first tier. They typically lack those features and those are the same features that define tier two in my mind. So they'll have the ability to segment your audience in a really granular way. They'll have a really robust automation builder and they'll also have really strong reporting. So some examples of tools that fall in tier two are stuff like ConvertKit, which a lot of authors might've heard of. That's a great tool for authors specifically. In fact, I think it was built around bloggers, authors, this type of market. Active Campaign's a great tool, Keep. But what's happened is this typical long tail effect in online business, right, where so many small niches have opened up. There's an email marketing service for basically every niche you can imagine now. So I think it just comes down to look for those three key features 
and sign up to it and it's something that you'll grow into over time. It's much better to start with a tool and really master it that has a little bit more power rather than starting with something really simple and then eventually having to migrate off it and do a, do a reactivation of your list and it can be really annoying. That's wonderful. Thank you for that. And I'd really love for you to tell us a little bit about your book, Natural Orders, and also where we can find you and your work. Yeah, so my book's Natural Orders. My background's actually in ecology before I got into marketing. And the whole premise of the book is four people are already doing email. So they're sending some campaigns out. They might be sending a newsletter or something. Maybe they have a couple of little basic best practice automations set up. But they're asking themselves a question of, okay, what's next? I know email can do all of these amazing things. I've heard from everyone all of these great things about email, but what does advanced email marketing automation actually look like? The book was written to answer that question. And the title, Natural Orders, is based around the idea that the best way to develop this type of system and to get to this coveted endpoint of advanced email marketing is to actually follow the way an ecosystem develops because your audience is basically a database. It's a marketing database. And the best way to grow that over time is to do so gradually and slowly and kind of slowly hang more information off that initial email address you get to the point where you can make informed decisions about what type of automation to build, when, where, who your most profitable customers are, and to do that in a healthy way that helps you build a long-term business. That's naturalordersbook.com. I have a bunch of articles on there and, yeah, everything you need to take your email marketing to the next level. Thank you, Matt. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. It's been great. And that was Matt Tracy. Go to email marketing consultant for some of the world's top business authors and author of the book, Natural Orders. I love hearing from you. So if you have a question you want me to answer live on the show about writing and self-publishing, go to theunlockedcreative.com slash podcast and click the orange button there to leave a voice memo. I can edit out any ums or coughs, so please just let go of perfection and go for it. I hope you got value out of today's show. And if you did, please leave a five-star rating and a glowing review on Apple Podcasts. Till next time, take care.